0: Welcome to Sunday on the Mic with George. I'm your co-host, Kyle Murphy. And I'm your
1: other co-host, George Doherty.
0: And we're very excited this week to have a special guest, uh, a guest that both George and I had the joy of sharing a production with recently when we were in Sunday in the park with George, the musical that we named this podcast (laughs) after. Um, Jesse Morrow is here with us today. God, I just, I butchered it. I said your name wrong, didn't I? You're fine. But I don't know, it sounded weird when I said Jesse Moreau is here with us today. She played Dot in that production and was absolutely wonderful. And we thought, who better to join us on the episode of Sunday on the mic with George, where we're going to discuss Sunday on the Park with George, uh, than somebody that played such a, a, an important role in that show. So thank you for joining us, Jesse.
2: Thank you for having me. Yeah.
0: Um, Jessie is an actress, a local actress. She's been working here. for. Well, tell us about yourself. Give, give us your background for those of us that uh, might be listening that, uh, that don't know where you came from.
2: Sure. Uh, I'm originally from Michigan, and I actually studied theater at Northern Michigan University. And then right after I got my degree, I came out here. And so I've been here about eight years. I think that's right. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah. And my first show was at Olympia Family Theater. I was Snoopy in Charlie Brown Christmas. (laughs) And yeah, so ever since, I've just been hopping from place to place and show to show. All in Olympia, though. All in Olympia. Have you... One Tacoma. One
0: Tacoma. What was that?
2: That was Dracula.
0: Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Tacoma Little Theater. Tacoma
0: Little Theater. We had the the managing director of Tacoma Little Theater, Chris Surface, as our guest last week. We're a big fan of those guys. Um, Have you performed with every theater in Olympia at this point?
2: No. Uh, I haven't performed with Harlequin, but I Uh, think I've hit everybody else up. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, I know that when the first time we met, which was back in 2018, uh, at, a, at a booth at a fair, I think I was Manning, you came up to see me. I knew I'd recognized your face at that point, even though I didn't know your name. So at that point, you had at least gotten, you were at least getting enough exposure that I was like, oh, this is a local actress. I have seen her. Um, you were wonderful in Sunday in the Park with George, and that is an absolutely enormous role. Uh, for those that haven't seen the show, it's actually two roles, and neither one of them are easy. Um, especially when you look at you know the the actresses that originated that well, the actress that originated the role, and those who have played it on Broadway. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but right now, it's time to look at what's going on in the world of Broadway today. And something of interest we were talking about before the show started was uh, there's not one, not two. But three versions of The Great Gatsby currently in production either around New York or hoping to make it to Broadway. There's one in Boston, uh, one at the Paper Mill in New Jersey, and then there's one that actually just announced a closing date. There's an immersive production uh, that's running off-Broadway that looks super interesting that I know almost nothing about. George, you found some interesting information on Great Gatsby, uh, the history of uh, of shows based on that
1: um... content. My One of the websites that I really go to a lot is castalbums.org where people can create their own profiles and list the recordings of musical theater-related recordings that they own.
0: Yeah, you've mentioned that quite a bit.
1: And, um, look, searching there, there are six other versions of Great Gatsby that have some kind of recording. (laughs) Uh, There was one that um, was done by the Metropolitan Opera in 2000, and it was written by John Harris Harbison. So that's an opera version. Robert Morgan wrote a version in 1956. He wrote the music, and Aubrey L. Goodman wrote the lyrics. There was a cast recording of that that was released back then. Then there was also a version by Joe Evans, and there was a 2021 concert cast recording or at least a concert cast and it was looks like it was done just on video filmed at the cadogan hall without an audience Interesting. What?
0: Is that common do they i mean i, I feel like when i watch concert <clears throat> recordings there's almost always an audience
1: well i think this well this was done in 21 just a couple of years ago mm-hmm. so height of covid oh yes so they probably had everybody distanced and may have even filmed individuals and compiled it together i don't know um, but there's actually, if you go to castalbums.org and search, I searched Gatsby and then brought up The Great Gatsby and Gatsby titles. And if you find the one by Joe Evans, there's a link in that listing for a website for more information. Wow. Then there's one by David Weinstein, or Weinstein, The Roaring Twenties Musical, based on F. Scott Fitzgerald's The Great Gatsby. From 1998, they've got a demo version that's listed here. Lee Pocris. Lyrics by Carolyn Lee. She's got history behind her. Book by Hugh Wheeler, who wrote the book to Sweeney Todd. And um, that just has a song on a recording by Max von Essen. So it's not that whole recording of that show. And then Richard Oberocker, I hope that's how you pronounce his name, (laughs) wrote the music. And lyrics are by Suichiro Kuike, 2017. It's a production that was done in Japan, in Japanese, and it's, uh, it was performed by the Takarazuka Taka cast. And if you've heard of them, I'm the Takarazuka is a company made up of all women. They're a theater company. And all of the women are employees of the Takarazuka Railway. They're, oh, wow. They're, you have to be an employee of the railway line to be able to be part of the theater company. Wow, and cool. the theater company they've been around since the '30s. I looked them up a few couple of years ago, and they do shows with all women playing the male roles as men, so they're not uh, right. changing the genders mm-hmm. of the characters. They're not changing the content, right? And they film some of their shows, and they have cast recordings of some of their shows. I have several cast recordings myself. They did a version of Promises, Promises that I have. Oh. Um, Their own version of the musical Roman Holiday, based on the movie, I have that. Uh, So if you search them on castalbums.org, you can find a lot out about them.
0: So castalbums.org, if you're listening, we're looking for sponsors. And we'd love to have you as one. George will continue to plug you, whether you sponsor us or not. So, uh, For for those of you like me who, who like fun websites and apps like that, that sounds like a good one. Um, there's another one that I use called mezzanine where you can log, it's not cast recordings, but you can log shows that you've seen. Oh, Um, they have a database of most shows that have played on the West end or in, or on Broadway. And so if you search them, you can add them and like, they'll know what theater they were in. You can go in and put your seats and you, then you have like a diary of every show you've ever seen. And they have some nice graphics that go along with it, but you can also enter, Just whatever. So like in mine, I have Sunday in the Park with George because we did it. So I saw it a few times and it says at the mini art center and has the date and all that. Um, But that's mezzanine. Unfortunately, I don't think they have an Android app yet. But I definitely, if you have an iPhone and you like theater, it's a good way to start a theater diary.
1: Well, castalbums.org is, as far as I know, only a website. I don't think they have an app at all. And so anybody can do it. And it's all musical theater related. Awesome. So it doesn't have to be actual musicals. You can have... um, You know, somebody who does their own solo album. Yeah. If they're musical theater related, if it's predominantly songs from musicals.
0: So here's a question. Here Lies Love is a show that's on Broadway right now. I believe the original uh, concept album by David Byrne. I don't know if David Byrne and Fatboy Slim did did the original concept album together. I would assume. But that is about 10 years old. And then I also know that there was... Um, There was a production in Seattle and I think LA prior years ago, prior to it coming to Broadway. If you look up the bios of some of the actors on Broadway right now, they've been playing the role for years Mm -hmm. in multiple productions. Um, But that's an interesting one because it's uh, well, first of all, I'm pointing it out because it's not getting a lot of attention and the crowds are not showing up and it's a one of a kind experience because you literally get to stand on the floor of a nightclub and watch the performers perform around you on a stage that moves and and i'll get more into the details of that in a second but the reason i brought it up is that it's got all of the, you know all these different versions i'm curious what you find when you go to castalbums.org.
1: it's got three listings the original concept album from 2010 that has people like tori amos and oh. sharon jones cindy lopper nelly mckay natalie merchant um, Martha Wainwright, Florence Welch, and Sia has, has a track on it. At oh least. yeah! Then there's the original 2013 cast recording, the 2013 original cast recording that um, Jose Lana has been in it. Um, Conrad Ricamora, he has. I think he's in the production now.
0: I but that name sounds familiar. Yeah.
1: And he used to be on the show How to Get Away with Murder. Oh. that was the first time I had heard of him and then I found out he's a singer and he's got a voice yeah um, they all do don't get me wrong
0: what role did he play
1: um this doesn't say no. uh, Ruthie Ann miles who was in the uh, the revival of the king and I with Kelly O'Hara as um, Anna she played um, the the King's first wife and she was in the Jake Gyllenhaal, Revival of Sunday in the Park with George, playing one of the Celestes. I think that's what it was. But she is also in Sweeney Todd right now. She's playing the the Beggar Woman.
0: Oh, she's excellent. Oh, yes. I knew I recognized that name. Uh, yes.
1: And she had a story. But, um, yeah, so that's that. And then there's a, a remix collection from Here Lies, Here Lies Love, 27, 2014 original cast. Okay. I don't know what that's about. That has, oh, it says here, remixes of the tracks from both the original cast and concept recordings. All profits go to Gawad Kalinga, an organization based in the Philippines that aims to end poverty for 5 million families by 2024.
0: Yeah, and that's important because the show is about the Marcos family, specifically Imelda Marcos is the center central character. Um, and it focuses early on on her being a performer, like a nightclub performer, kind of like Evita. Uh, using that to to uh, increase her status, if you will, uh, or level up, and it's actually there are a lot of there are a lot of similarities to Evita in the beginning, uh, but then it it, it kind of chronicles one version of what the Marcos did as the as the leaders of the Philippines and how that whole thing ended. Um, it, it's a little bit of a history lesson, but it was it it has. It has energy that I didn't expect coming in. You can tell that the the show means more to the performers than just a show they're performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just because they've been with it so long, but I think most of them have, you know, are Filipino and they, they know the historical background and they're not just performing Hairspray. They're not just performing uh, Phantom of the Opera. They're performing a piece that appears to have some meaning at least. And it's that's what's reflected in the performances, I thought. What's really interesting about this show, again... It's in the Broadway theater, which if that's where King Kong was, that's where uh, Miss Saigon was twice, I think. It's mm-hmm. known for for huge special effects and having all this space. But I was able to literally look directly up and see the Proscenium arch, and then look behind it and see all the rigging and like all the space where all the puppetry would have happened and where everything was held. Um, it was just it's a once probably once in a lifetime experience in a real Broadway theater. So. If you are in New York and you have a choice to see that before it goes away, I would highly recommend it. It's different. It doesn't get as much publicity as other shows because it's non-traditional, but it's it's a really good experience.
1: And if anybody's uh, uh, fans of Fat Boy Slim and David Byrne, having another theatrical production from them is is a pretty cool idea. David Byrne did his show American Utopia. Yeah,
0: American Utopia. Have, which they filmed. I have a poster card upstairs. Um, that American Utopia was like nothing I'd ever seen. Danielle did not care for it. And I walked away. I definitely cried in- during the show. And it- there's not really a story. It's like an emotional musical presentation with a very large drum corps um, band, really. It-, it just, it, yeah. Nothing like nothing I've ever seen. I would love to have more of that kind of stuff come to that kind of stage.
1: It's a theatrical piece more than it any is. kind of a musical. It's like a choreographed concert.
0: Yeah, it's like it's like a concept concert with on on the best stages you know in the world. Mm-hmm. So,
1: and they filmed it, so it's available to view probably Broadway HD. I'm not sure. Uh, so it's out there. Oh, I didn't know
0: that. I'm gonna it have is. to watch that again. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. Um, and then, this is not a musical, but it is on Broadway. Uh, Pearly Victorious just announced it was extended, and thought that was worth bringing up for a couple of reasons. Uh, for one, our guest today uh, has a friend in that show.
2: Well, friend might be a strong word, just because I, I haven't seen him in ages. But uh, but yeah, um, there was uh, a certain someone, Noah Pysik, who was... Um, who was a froglet in my first show, Honk Junior, <laughs> uh, when I was Ida, and he was, uh, his brother was actually ugly, the duckling, nice. so uh, I knew both of them, and it's just crazy. Now he's making his Broadway debut, and uh, just, you know, one of those things where something blows up, and you're like, whoa, yeah, how yeah. did that happen? You went from a little froglet mm-hmm. to this. Yeah,
0: you know, it's it if you do enough theater, the older you get, you just start seeing people who rise to that level. And, uh, somebody that I grew up doing theater with ended up being a musical director on Broadway and now is doing like movies and TV and stuff. Um, uh, very much attached to a lot of stuff that Pasek and Paul do on, um, on Netflix or on other, you know, movie ventures and things like that. Um, but, you know, some folks just have that drive and that talent and it's awesome to watch those people we grew up with, uh you know, making it to the next level.
1: Right. I remember saying, you know, he was a kids to play kid and, and Ian. Yeah. And he had directed when he was in eighth grade he directed and music directed a full production of uh You're a Good Man Charlie Brown for his middle school and he had brought he brought in a couple of high school kids to be in the show as well. And he did everything for it and a bunch of us were involved in Capitol Playhouse at the time and had a great time and it was a great show and he was in eighth grade. <laughs> I mean the I beginnings, know someone like that too. So yeah. You <laughs> can tell that guy's got talent.
0: Yeah. Well, for for me the thing watching him that was inspiring was just how hard he worked. Like I mean he had a singular focus. He loved He was the person, the kid that you go over to his house and he's got musical theater everywhere, all over the walls, the books, everything. It was just, you know, and his work ethic is crazy. So congratulations, Ian, on all your success. Uh, Maybe you could be a guest on the show in a couple of weeks. Who knows? You never Um, know. Anyways, so uh, we like to the format of the show, if you haven't tuned in yet, we like to, to have a specific topic that we cover and then we always highlight one Sondheim show. Today's Sondheim show, fittingly, is going to be Sunday in the Park with George uh, since we've got uh, one of the leads with, from our production with us today. Uh, but uh, the topic of the day is OBC versus The Revival. Uh, Revivals Revivals And if you don't know what (laughs) OBC means That's original Broadway cast You probably extend this to original London cast Uh, London being the other place that tends to put out What most people consider the definitive version um, Of a cast recording But this is one I'm really excited to hear Because we finally get to tap into George's knowledge Of all the millions of different versions um, Of all these shows And so... You know the the first one that came to mind when I was thinking about original versus revival was one of my one of my favorite shows ever, Into the Woods. Um, I thought, how could you ever beat the original Broadway cast with Bernadette Peters, you know, in really her prime? And then I went and saw a revival with a star-studded cast with Sarah Bareilles and uh, Philippa Sue and uh oh, who else uh
1: Neil Patrick Harris played it in the uh, the original that off-Broadway yeah. production <clears throat>
0: and before they before they transferred to but he wasn't in it and actually our Baker was the understudy for the backup Baker um but there were about uh jo- Joshua Henry was in it there were probably three or four like big names Mm -hmm. and it was a strip they completely changed everything they got rid of all the scenery it was a very stripped down bare bones show they focused a lot on the puppetry of the cow which was hilarious Um, but musically uh, musically it was wonderful but I can't I mean just the original cast recording for me is burned into my brain as like the source of truth on that Mm -hmm. you know it's uh, I don't know that you can beat Bernadette Peters in that performance but um, it. NBA. But
1: technically, just to say, the witch, the character of the witch, is a supporting role. It's the baker mm. and the white. The baker's wife. They're the leads. And then, because when they were doing the, when they were originally doing the workshops in California before it ever came to New York, they had Ellen Foley was um, the witch at one point. Betty Buckley played the witch. I think Betty Buckley was the first witch. Oh, really? I think so. But she was definitely one of the early ones. And then they knew they wanted Bernadette, especially after Sunday in the Park with George. They wanted her to be the, to to be the witch. Uh, so there's
2: that. Sure, but when Bernadette's on stage, no one else is the lead. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> too much.
0: She's one of those. Uh, her and Patty Lapone are the two that just. I, I've not seen Bernadette Peters live, but yeah, when uh, I it, got to meet her. Oh uh, wow, what was that like?
1: The Washington Center. Tangent. Going off on a tangent here. The Washington Center used to have Centerfest celebration every year. They'd bring in a big name. Tony Bennett came, got to see him live, my dad's favorite. Um, uh, anyway, they bring in big names and then they would have an after party afterwards where you could pay hundred dollars extra to meet and greet the persons. And so my sister and her boyfriend and their, my sister's daughter and I went to see Bernadette Peters in concert, Christian came, came over, they were able to get her. And then my sister and her boyfriend paid for me and my niece to go to the meet and greet afterwards. So we got to go. My niece was about twelve, I think, and um, and yeah, she was there and got her didn't get her autograph, but I'm no, I did get her autograph, and I got a picture of oh, wow. Bernadette with my niece. And our friend Missy was the stage manager of the first national 10th anniversary tour of Sunday in the Park with George. Oh wow. 90s, and the closest they came to Olympia was Everett, and a bunch of us went up there, and they used the original Broadway costumes. And the, the
0: staging so, and
1: the... What they could as far yeah. as the tour is concerned, but they used the original costumes. And so Missy was able to take us backstage and we got to look at the costumes and I held Bernadette Peters' hand, her hat, during that. And, then, oh. and, and when I got to meet her, I told her that story and I said, I got to touch her hat. <laughs> anybody still wear a hat? And she said, oh, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> there you have it. That's my story of meeting Bernadette Peters.
0: That's hilarious. I, <laughs> I I I I would probably respond similarly if yeah. somebody told me yeah, they when they I touched the my same. hat. Um, <laughs> although at, at a certain point she had to be get used to it. I mean, she's I don't doubt that. Fairly uh, yeah. iconic. It, it, so here's something you know that is interesting, and I've noticed that this happens. What happens with a lot of revivals, but it is especially happening with a lot of Sondheim revivals right now. If you look back at Into the Woods, at the time burned at Peters was. A known-ish actress, you know, she had, like, she had done some Hollywood stuff.
1: Into the Woods or Sunday in the Park? Was it Sunday in the Park? Sunday in the Park, I think. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, And Mandy Patinkin, yeah, that, okay, yes, obviously, 87 versus... 84. Right. Um, But even Mandy Patinkin, he'd had, he was somewhat well-known and successful, but it wasn't the same as bringing in uh, star, like, superstars, whereas when you see these shows revived... Well, we've attached Jake Gyllenhaal, and you know, and, and it's like well, since that's a big, you know, that's stunt casting. He ended up being wonderful. He had the
1: chops. He definitely could handle it, and he got good reviews.
0: Oh yes, and from what I've, well, the things I've seen were amazing. But, right. but do you think that they? Do you think he was cast because of that, or do you think he was cast because he sold tickets?
1: Um, I'm sure they cast him because. Any major revival that, of Sondheim shows, he had casting approval. So, he, so Jake Gyllenhaal had to cast, had to audition for Sondheim anytime, And so he gave his approval. And uh, so he knew that it was definitely, that Jake Gyllenhaal was definitely going to be able to handle it. Hmm.
0: So Jesse, what's your favorite revival? I'm going to put you on the spot here and make you real uncomfortable. What's your favorite revival?
2: I don't know. I don't, I don't pay as close attention to these things as you folks do. Um, I...
0: Well, let me ask the question differently. Yeah. Is there a show that you are fond of where the revival is kind of your preference if you're going to listen to it or that, that your revival is what plays in your head?
2: No. <laughs> I I I enjoy the Pippin revival, but I love the original.
0: Oh yeah, tell me um, about that. All
2: right. well, it's just so different, right? They changed it so much by with the leading player, um, and so. You well, know, talk
0: you... talk about the differences for like so for me. I know very little of Pippin. I was introduced mm-hmm. to a little of the music in high school. I never followed it. i tried to watch the recording. that's on Broadway HD, and I haven't made it super deep. And I think it's because that sort of show, from what I've read, kind of had to be experienced. It was more of a in-the-moment, like, you got to be in the building as opposed to watching, watching it on TV. And I know nothing about the revival. So like, what is it about, sure. you know, talk about what it is about that show that, that excites you when you think about the the original and what did they change and why
2: yeah i mean i think they're they're both it's dark right um and very meta sort of thing but um the original was so focused on the fossy dance um mm, yeah and brilliantly done uh when you move into the revival you get that circus element so they added um aerial silks and all oh. of these different things, and they added that circus element to, uh,
0: I don't know, it just... Um, Did they take the Fosse style out of it? No. Okay.
2: Um, it's just uh, a little more razzle-dazzle, I yeah. guess, if you will. Uh, no, they still have the Fosse stuff, and I'm I'm glad they kept the trio and they kept that dance in there because that's just iconic. The trio is everything, Uh, (laughs) but uh, but no, they and they changed the gender of the leading player, so that that. changes.
1: Ben Vereen was the original, and Patina Miller was in the revival. Oh, this
0: shows how how little I know about this show.
1: Yeah, it was originally in seventy two, early seventies. Pippin was played by John Rubinstein, who was a great actor in his own right and singer, and his father was the great impresario, pianist Arturo Rubenstein, one of the greatest pianists alive. And Catherine, the female lead, was played by uh, Jill Clayberg, And Betty Buck actually took over the role at one point. She,
0: I feel like we say her name like five times every week. Is she in everything?
1: Uh, she did a lot, yes. And I got to see her live in Sunset Boulevard. Did you, did you, did you, when we went to New York, did you see that?
0: I did, and one of these days we'll talk about her right. and Edwin Drew, but exactly. I, we digress.
1: But uh, she, uh, Jill Kleber, played Catherine. And uh, it was uh, very much set kind of in the times. And it was set in the 800s when Pippin really was a real person. And I think I'd read that uh, his they said his name was Pepin. So they changed some things. And he was maybe a hunchback in real life. So they, I think it's a fictionalized account of the character. Sure. And when they did the revival and they had the... The, all the circus elements, They it, it wasn't set in any specific time period. It was a circus. Very well done, everything that I've seen, certainly. But they adapted it, and it was a, a revisal. But I think the script was mostly kept intact.
0: You say a revisal?
1: Yeah. That's when you take a usually a musical, and you change it so much that it's revised, <laughs> and not just a revival. That they can bring in a whole new book writer... Uh, the musical uh, Flower Drum Song by Rodgers and Hammerstein, when they did the revival back in 2002 uh, with Lea Salonga from Miss Saigon, David Henry Wong came in and wrote a whole new book. And um, there's a show now that Harvey Fierstein wrote a whole new book. Oh, he contributed, maybe he just updated, Funny Girl. Oh, yeah. Oh. he Which I saw. Right. And everything that I heard has uh, said that it's fantastic. But um, I'd love to correct the
0: record on that okay
1: but um that's what i've heard i have i haven't seen it but there are shows where they don't like the producers don't trust the original material they'll get totally new orchestrations that undercut what was originally done but then you also have these revivals like the king and i with uh catherine catherine no kelly o'hara oh my goodness where they went back to the original book, the original orchestrations, and they did it that way. There's a brand new recording of Oklahoma where they went back to the original orchestrations. They did the original, the whole score. It's a complete recording that's never been done like that before for that show. And people like that sort of thing. They don't necessarily need to for artistic purposes. A lot of times they'll uh, edit or get a whole new orchestration to make it a small orchestra so they don't have to pay so many instrumentalists.
0: Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. It's interesting. The You bring up Funny Girl. So, um, I saw Funny Girl twice uh, in the last year. The first time I went thinking I was going to see Leah Michelle, who I've been a fan of ever since Glee, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, I, I know be. she's not everyone's <laughs> cup of tea, and uh, she's got a bad reputation, but... Uh, she sings beautifully, and I wanted a chance to see her in a role that she had been dreaming of playing for most of her life. And so I went and uh, we got there and found out that she was out that night. And her understudy, Julie Benko, who has been gotten rave reviews for her performance, uh, was going on. And so we decided to see it anyway because Julie Benko was... Uh six months earlier, if we had been there, we would have jumped at the chance to see Julie Benko instead of Beanie Feldstein, who was the original lead. Um and I saw it with Julie Benko and it was so disappointing. It was and it wasn't Julie. It was the show. Julie was, had a beautiful voice and she acted the part well and her comedic timing was tremendous. But the book wasn't great, which is weird when you I mean Harvey Fierstein usually knocks him out of the park. And even as I say this, like, this may just show my inexperience as a Broadway critic. Because when I went back and saw it with Leah Michelle a couple months ago, it was magical. Not her, the show. She made everyone better. And. I've I've had many conversations about this, trying to figure out what it was. Because at the end of the first act, my jaw was on the floor. I'm like, how am I watching the same show? Yes, she's got an amazing voice, but why is the why is everybody and everything about this better? Um, And I really think she just had a better sense of the character and how it fit, how the role fit into making the show good the way it was written. Julie Benko's comedy was good but it was almost out of place when it was mm-hmm. telling the story and, and it almost made, it made you not care about some of the interactions with her and her romantic lead um, who again was played by the same person when i saw it the second time around but the chemistry was just so much better and when he was off doing stupid things i won't get into i won't ruin the story for a movie he was off doing stupid things and she was stupidly following him. You actually felt, uh, sympathy for her as opposed to like, Julie, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, yeah, it's the, it, I, I thought there's no way that one person can change a show this much, but everything I had read said that that's what was happening. And that's what happened. It was absolutely wow. tremendous. I've not seen, like, I've not seen the original. I haven't listened to it much. Obviously, Barbara Streisand is an icon. um, Jesse, you're smiling from ear to ear. I would love to hear what you think of of the Barbara Streisand of it all, or or anything else that you have to say about this.
2: Oh, I don't know. I, I think Barbara's amazing, and um, watching uh, her and Judy Garland together, like back in the day, uh, oh, that's just magical. Mm-hmm. Um, but awesome. yeah, Leah Michelle. Not my thing, but I I do you can take think. Her she, well, <laughs> I I am sure she is incredible in that role, and she's got the chops, the vocal chops for it. Um, I do wish she were funnier. I she doesn't have that sort of quirky side as much, uh, but I didn't see yeah. it.
0: Well, I think you're right. Um, I don't think the quirky played at all and she really didn't try and play it up more than once or twice but like there's a specific scene in that show where she's playing um the the general i think you know singing about the kaiser and when julie did it it was hilarious and when leah did it it was it was funny but it was more in line with the way she was playing the character it just wasn't quite as sharp her even like her, her movement on stage she wasn't Julie's movement and dancing was so sharp, it just looked great, but Leah kind of fit who the character was, which was a comedian trying to make it in a, in a world where the song and dance and being beautiful was the big thing. Um, but yeah, I think like, that makes total sense why you, like, she's not quirky enough. Um, I really want to go watch the movie now. I've never seen the movie.
1: Uh, I've only seen it once years ago, and I enjoyed it. I remember enjoying it, but it, I haven't seen it since.
2: I think ultimately it's hard to have both of those things. You, ha- you have to be iconic if you can pull off both of those things and meld them together, right? And Barbara can do that. Mm-hmm. And it's always going to be hard to find that again. And the problem with Beanie was that she didn't have the vocal chops. Mm-hmm. And that's what the show's known for. Yeah. It's, you can't do Barbara Streisand. Yeah. It's like you're you're doing a revival of Barbara. It's not of Funny Girl. You know? It's so...
1: The character of Fanny sings almost all of the songs. Not all of them, but most of them. So if you don't have that kind of a voice because it was written in the style... I don't know if it was written for Barbara Streisand or if it was written before she was cast, but there was a certain style. And of course, that is not the way the real Fanny Bryce sang because she was a comedian, not a singer. But they wrote it for a singer because it's a musical.
0: So here's kind of a generalized question about revivals. Um, when the original work is produced, no one has ever seen it before. So it's a director's interpretation of something new that comes completely from their mind. And maybe in cases like Sunday in the Park with George, there's been an opportunity for like the, for the writer, the composer, to really have that intimate relationship where they know with the director, where the director knows what they were thinking when they wrote it. Um, Actors originate roles based on their interpretations and based on feedback from directors in this vision. The revival is when people really had time to process, like, what would I have done differently? What could I bring to this? How could I add an element and tell a story? So, can either of you think of really good examples of that where you felt like the revival just wasn't just we're going to see Music Man again, but this time with Hugh Jackman Wolverine in the lead, uh, but where they actually had something different to say or something to add uh, because just time or experience had brought
1: and brought people just up. getting to know the right. project. Yeah, Mary Labor Roll Long is a perfect example. That was we talked about short shows last time. Right. That lasted 16 performances. And it tanked. It did not do well. It broke up the team of Hal Prince and Stephen Sondheim. They did a version of Roadshow Bounce at one point. But, um, so that was written in 1981. There was a revival in '84, and that's when um, James Lapine became attached to it for a while. So he directed a production. And then it, over the years there have been several productions, quite a few cast recordings. It's a great score. And then about 10 years ago, a little more than 10 years ago, Maria Friedman, and she's talked about how she had done a production with Stephen Sondheim, and I think George Firth was still alive at that time working on it, where they were working, trying to specifically uh, fix it or just see Mm -hmm. what works and what doesn't. And then she was able to direct, I don't know if she had directed before, if this is the first thing she'd ever directed. She was able to direct a production about 10, 11 years ago, in London, and it got filmed. and all of a sudden, this new production, slight tweaks in the book, probably some few tweaks, certainly over the years in the in the score that Sondheim had written, it got raves, just absolute raves, mm-hmm. five stars all across the board. Hottest
0: ticket in New York.
1: And that was ten years ago in London, and this is based on that original production. Oh and Maria London, Friedman. Okay is directing this production based on her original London production 10 years ago. So over the years, and part of it is because it's been around since 1981. Everybody knows it. Everybody has loved the score itself. But I think just knowing it also helps the audience appreciate it. And so over the years, there have been so many tweaks and so many versions and writings, rewritings, and directors giving their... Visions, James LaPine's niece, uh, Sasha, Sorsha, something like that, Uh, she um, directed a production. Or was it Sunday in the Park with George? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Some Sondheim show. Exactly. But she had... Maybe it was Sunday. Anyway, over the years, so many people had been working on it, and now it's at a point where people really do appreciate it because it's had this 40-some-odd years of life. And, you know, they say musicals aren't written. you just stop writing them there. So there's that. But that's a good one. I think that's a good example of people liking it. And it has been given the chance to be reworked. Sondheim Mm -hmm. has allowed it to be reinterpreted. And he's been amenable to working on things when there's... It's got to be a big production, not some podunk. Uh... Community theater production is going to get some time to work on something. But
0: Do you think the complexity of the score and the book have something to do with why it wouldn't land right away, but it does over time? That
1: was one of the concerns that I had read about over the years, not at the time because I didn't know musicals then. But um, it took people a while to get used to the backwards in time. The original play by Kaufman and Hart, um, no Moss Hart, yeah, Moss Hart and... Um, Coffin, Coffin, whatever his first name is, uh, was about these three friends, and it was written to go backwards in time. And they kept that same concept for the musical. And people didn't understand that at first. And even though it's in the score, you listen to it, it's 1960, 1949, whatever. They sing this, the years backwards. Hmm. And so you get a sense of that. But they also had it starring young adults late teens, early twenties. You said that on the last show, yeah. Right, and that was part of the problem because they didn't have the chops, they didn't have the experience to be able to play older characters yet. So when they started doing all the revivals and revisals, they got actors who were more of in the middle to the older end of the age and they can play younger more easily than people who don't have the experience of acting because a lot of them, it was their first time on Broadway, first time in a major production. Some some of them, it was the first time in a production because they had a cattle call audition for a lot of it. Oh, wow. So they, when you have actors who have the experience of acting, they can play younger much more easily than somebody who doesn't know what they're doing.
0: Yeah. And when I said Hottest Ticket in New York, I thought you were referring to the workshop that they did that then turned into the transferred to Broadway for the, the production that's live now because when that was, I think it was uh, at the Lincoln Center, I'm not 100% sure on that, um, they were like they, they were running, um, not raffles, but they were basically, they, the only way you could get seats were through these, uh, th-
2: what do what they
0: call them when you put your name in? and well, um, uh, like Lottery. Lottery. Uh, the lottery was the only way you could get tickets and everybody was trying and nobody was getting them. Um, I'm sure it was a relatively small venue. And then they transferred to Broadway, and now the tickets are ridiculously expensive, and everybody's raving about how amazing it is. So that will be fun. I get to see that in a couple days. Wow. So, yeah, super excited. Um, That was, in fact, that's why we're going, is because when we were there last time, this wasn't open yet, and Mm. I don't think it's going to run long enough to see it the next time we go. So we're like, all right, three-day trip. We're going to see Gutenberg, and here, and, uh, here we are, and... Merrily and just and call it a day. Um, well, speaking of you know playing multiple ages, Jesse, when in Sunday in the Park with George, which is our featured Sondheim, although we featured a lot of Sondheim right. shows in this discussion. Apparently, they like to. They Let's like go to back like to our provide. original topic. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but Sunday in the Park with George, you had to play two extremes on the age spectrum. Uh, what it, what what's that like?
2: uh i was terrified of playing marie at the beginning i was like oh how am i gonna play a 98 year old woman (laughs) it was so easy to play bernadette's you know dot yeah um notice i say bernadette i went right into it didn't even think about it uh but play dot uh, because that's that's more my age range anyway. Yeah, but, and you didn't uh,
0: play it as though you were playing Bernadette. You made that role your own, but I understand. Why well, you thank
2: say that. you. Uh, but she is more my inspiration for sure, sure. than like of course. Yeah, uh, but but that felt really natural, and then and then I had to put Marie on, and that was a little bit scary, and then adding the accent onto it. Although the accent, I think, um, trying to get that southern. I know it's South Carolina, but I didn't quite get there. I just found found a nice sweet spot with it. I think that helped yeah. me a lot. And I'm a very physical actor, so that Really getting into that physical zone and the yeah. like shaking, yeah, um, which you got a little s- out of hand sometimes. It's <laughs> <That's> all right,
0: <laughs> and you know, you have to perform that entire second act in a wheelchair, and that's you know, there's not a lot of room to be physical there, especially when you're playing 98 year old woman who is just, about to die, just
2: shaking and falling Spoiler asleep. Alert. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I loved Marie, and once I found her, she just like sat in there, and it was it was. It became so comfortable, actually. I was surprised by myself and and by how that worked out. But I just kind of leaned into the shaking and the physical part and, and that s- southern accent, and I think that just set something for me. Because it was so different, uh, I think that was good, right? It really got you out of that other zone. And... Um, yeah, I love both of those characters. Though it's fun to play to get to have that flexibility in a show.
0: There's so many great vocal moments. What was your favorite? Oh, she's making a weird face now. Oh. I have, I've hit a. I've hit
1: a nerve. Oh
2: no! <laughs> I don't or know. Or some of
1: your favorite moments. Sure, doesn't have to be the. Doesn't have to.
2: Yeah. Right. Oh, it's so hard. Uh, the opening song is so fun um you know title song. Sure. Sunday in the Park with George. Um and especially, you know, that last note where you have to you're posing and you're not supposed to open your mouth. Um and Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves that part and that's super fun. So I, I did really enjoy doing that song. I felt uh I felt like I got to Really entertain the audience in that first number and make them fall in love with me a little bit. So uh, that was nice for me. Um, but I, I love all of the songs for different reasons. Uh, children and Art for Marie. It's yeah. just uh,
0: that will be one of my most memorable moments of you in that show because I was backstage. Waiting to move tables off from that scene. <laughs> so I got uh, a lot of times when I wasn't on stage, because I wasn't on stage that much, I would be back in the dressing room or walking around, just trying to stay busy. Uh, but that one I watched every night, and it mm-hmm. it got me every night, every single night. So
2: And I think there's an interesting um, an interesting thing with that, because Marie is looking at her mother who I played earlier in the (laughs) show. So there's this different kind of connection that you feel because you really know that character just like you would really know your mom, right? And so it was... It had layers to it. and, And, yeah, it's just... It's a beautiful song.
0: Yeah, and you know, I'll... And sorry, I keep interrupting George before he jumps in. One of the things that I have to say about that experience that I would encourage... I would encourage local actors to do a show with SPSCC if they want this experience, is Lauren Love does an excellent job of really immersing you in the content. And so, I mean, like, by the time we got to performing, like, we were all living in those moments. And when you're singing Children in Art, like, I mean, you were connected with it, I was connected with it, the audience was connected with it. It was just fantastic. So, actors, if you have a chance to do an SPSCC show, go out for auditions.
1: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. My first time... That I had ever worked with them, I had seen several other productions and really enjoyed them. And they have Lauren has done some really good work mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with the people that she's cast and the shows that she's chosen. So I'm yeah. I, I get to see them
0: and and singing with John. That man <laughs> has uh, the most sensitive ears of anyone I've ever met in my life. He has um, perfect pitch. Yes, it was tremendous. What did um, I don't know if this is appropriate for our uh, for our podcast, but the most accurate description I heard was uh, from Dan, who said that man could hear a mouse fart. And I believe it. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, that show was a great experience. I get to do one maybe two shows a year, and I try to pick shows that are meaningful, and um, that fulfilled every expectation that I had. And I don't know about you guys, but it's it'll be a
1: well, I've been saying from the beginning that that was a bucket list show for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had I buying the original album back in 84, when I was still in high school. Maybe it was 85, but I was still living at home with my parents and I bought it. and I have been in love with it ever since. Yeah.
0: And you have, uh, if you go to George's home, you'll see not one, not two, but three versions of the painting hanging in your living room, yes? Um, no,
1: two. Okay. Because the one in the middle is something different. But I have, <laughs> it's a print on canvas of the original painting, so reduced. And then, I forget, I don't know the artist's name. He took it and made a, what do you call a digitized version. So it was painted, but it's all right angles. So it's like... they took Not right it, angles,
0: but sharp angles. Right angles. Is it right angles? It is all right angles. Oh, wow. So
1: it's all squares and rectangles. And uh, that version of the painting. Yeah.
0: And it's pretty striking.
1: It is pretty cool, yeah. So in the
0: revival in 2017 of Sunday in the Park with George, you mentioned Jake Gyllenhaal got rave reviews. And from what I've seen, he was tremendous. But... He was filling the shoes. We've talked a lot about filling the shoes of Bernadette. He was filling the shoes of Mandy Patinkin, Mandy Patinkin, who I think most Broadway aficionados, if you said name the top three male vocalists in Broadway history, he's going to be on the list somewhere. He's going to be mentioned in the in that conversation, um, and he's played some of the most iconic roles in Broadway history for for a male tenor. Uh, this is actually a baritone role. But um, I, I'm curious, how do you think? How do you think Jake Hall was able to live up to that? Because that's what always amazes me is when you're, you, you have to live up to an icon.
2: Because
0: he didn't have the vocal chops that Mandy does.
1: No, but he, had, he has a great voice. Yes. And he was able to play the, you know, act the role, sing the role very well. And um, I think people don't have to live up to the previous performer. I remember uh, seeing an interview with Tom Hulse years ago. He played the voice. He was the voice of the Hunchback in the Hunchback of Notre Dame for Disney. Okay. And you never knew him as a singer, but he was a singer. He could sing. He could carry the tune. He sang it really well. But anyway, he was offered the role of Hamlet. And he was petrified. He was freaking out kind of like, wow, this is talk about an iconic role. Everybody's done this. And he said, how am I going to compare myself to all these other people who've done it? And so what he did is that he said he watched as many different versions as he could. And he said he saw that all of them were so different from each other that he could do anything he wanted with it, aside from the fact that it's 400-year-old play. <laughs> but everybody has their own take. And especially about live theater, everybody can do what they want. It doesn't have to imitate the original version, and they should not be compared to the original people, especially in musicals when you have the recordings of the first people who do them. Who do them. Uh, you know, you've got Bernadette Peters, but you certainly made the part your own, Jesse. And uh, I love to think that I was Mr. I, was, I did my own version of Mr. Yeah. and Lee Randolph in the second act. And so his thing was, he just was able to let go of all that inhibitions and, and his fear because everyone was so different. That yeah. nobody, there was no right way to do Hamlet for him. So,
0: and you think that's what what Jake, what carried Jake. In I that think role. so. And then if you himself.
1: even watch clips or listen to the London revival from 2007, I think it is um, Daniel Evans is a completely different take on mm-hmm. the role because he is more of a tenor also, but he's actually British and they have a different acting style. And he and and uh, Jenna who played Dot. Totally different versions than Bernadette and Mandy Padinkin. So, especially in live theater, you really shouldn't... You don't need to compare yourself to the originals because it's always going to be something different.
0: I think that's some really, really good advice for community theater actors, for young actors in high school trying to make their way... I mean, I fell into this trap too when I was when I was growing up. So let me fig- let me find the original Broadway cast and see what they did, and then try and emulate that one specific actor's choices. Uh, and old age has, if it's taught me nothing, it's taught me that the more interesting choices just to make it your own and not worry about what somebody else did and not try and capture a moment that someone else invented but find you know what you can find within yourself and I thought you did a fantastic job of that by
1: the way I agree (laughs) definitely
2: but I think that speaks to what you said about Leah Michelle too I think she knows what her what What her bounds are right she knows yeah well she knows what she does well yeah right and so she runs with that a little more even though that's not entirely who that person was Mm -hmm. right and so you have to know yourself and be able to use all of your tools to find what's right for that character because you have pieces of that character in yourself but you have to yeah, use use that <laughs> yeah. what you have and not what somebody else has.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and nobody's rocking that better right now than Annalee Ashford. I mean, talk about someone who's had to take like over some iconic roles that have been played by some of the most famouss Broadway fam- famouses, the <laughs> most the most famous actresses, uh, the most famous Broadway actresses and I'm going to acknowledge that I have not seen her, but everything that I am reading is that she's tremendous. When she was out of Sweeney Todd, uh, everybody got refunds. People don't do that when um, when Groban's out. I mean, some people do, but not. It was mm-hmm. like, I, I went up to ask if they had any tickets, and they said, you know Annalise's out tonight, right? Uh, it's a big deal. And... Just listening to the cast recordings, I feel like what she's doing is she's playing to her strengths, and it's uniquely—it's a, a unique style to her that's different than anybody who's come before her. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you like that, you know that's a that's personal preference. But I think that as far as someone who has jumped into some of those those parts that are really really hard to live up to and done what we're talking about, I think she at least is getting a lot of credit for doing just that.
1: Right. It's it's again going back to Sondheim, you know had prior approval to all major casting and so he allowed allowed quote unquote mm-hmm. her to be cast in the role along with Josh Grobin and so they got the they have the chops and yeah. and uh, it's part of the director's vision because the director also cast them mm-hmm.
0: and Jesse I can again tell by your facial expressions that Annalie is not a personal favorite
2: She's, which
0: is cool I'd love to hear about it like this is, I, this is one of the beautiful things about theater everybody can not, have their own
2: thing <laughs> You know, I think she's really talented, and I love what she has. I don't love her in either of those roles, mm. um, and that might be um, a downfall in my own psyche, where I've decided things yeah, but you partly get to based on that. right. Right. That's I I guess just like she has this very bright voice, and she has um, this really wonderful quirkiness to her that I don't love for either of those roles. Now I saw a, uh, I'm not a big fan of the show, Wicked. Okay. I'm gonna put that out there. I saw a, a video of her doing popular in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Brilliant.
0: Seems like she'd be perfect for that. I,
2: she was genius, hilarious. I think she's right for that. I, I didn't love her in Sunday in the park. I thought she was a little too crass. A little too um, sardonic. It didn't feel quite right for me, um,
1: and that's okay. And that's yeah. okay.
2: <laughs> and other people can love that, right? But I, I, it didn't fit for me and my my feelings about Dot. Um, and and as for Sweeney Todd, I haven't seen much of it, but it it I like a little more of a grounded. Mrs. Lovett, yeah. uh, she doesn't have the same grounding, um, yeah, so I don't know, uh, but I, I think she does a lovely job with what she's, what she does is just not my preference in those roles. I,
0: I can totally see that, I didn't get to see her in Sweeney um i really like vocally what she did with uh, with dot that's just my personal preference um but i got to see her understudy gina dewall who is a similar style i think uh, what you're talking about but very different than what i've heard on the cast recording um and she really made it her own i mean it's again it's like the actresses who played it in the past had so much of their stamp on it um Yeah, but I could, but I see what you're saying because Mrs. Lovett is Mrs. Lovett is darker than
2: and a little conniving. Yeah, you know, and I, and I feel bad because it's like I'm saying your instrument doesn't work for this, which is not true. But like I, maybe some of this is like what I've been taught over the years by society. These are the kind of people, you know, like you can't if you have that voice, you cannot be conniving.
0: (laughs) Else. Yeah, no, I, I don't think Anneliese is gonna take offense. So you could say <laughs> have your own opinion. But George, George brought this up. I think on our talk with Chris, just wonderful performers that are horribly miscast, and you know, and you can have your opinions about yeah. that. And just because, just because um, you disagree with the majority, doesn't mean you're wrong. I mean, like a lot of people love Roger Bart in um, in Back to the Future, including me. Chris Surface, our guest from last week, absolutely hated him, hated him, hated him. So, I mean, you know, it's like, this is the beautiful thing about this is we get to talk about why our opinions are important to us and where they come from.
1: And that's the nature of live theater. You're going to get, if it's in any kind of an extended run, you're going to get different people playing the same roles. They have the structure of the script and the direction, certain extent costumes and things like that. But every person is going to have their own take that they're the ones who are going to be performing that role and it's their vision along with the direction yeah. that's being put out there and the audience can react however they react good bad or indifferent that's the what i love about live theater yeah
0: i, I totally agree it's and i think that you know depending on what you're going into you can walk away with something different every time
1: exactly yeah.
0: All right, now before we go, we always want to highlight and promote what's going on around local uh, local community theater here in Olympia and, and the surrounding areas. And of course, we like to promote, first off, uh, one of our sponsors, Oli Theater, which is run by Theater Artists Olympia. Uh, they're opening an impeccable Pekka Plays, which is a group of nine original works uh, by... Uh, by authors some local some not directed by a group of different directors uh, and uh, they just had auditions I actually got cast in that so I'll get Ooh. to play a couple of roles in a couple of ten minute plays and it's going to be a lot of fun uh, and then they're planning on uh, I just found out this last week they're going to do some uh, like a live enactment of the Gilligan, Gilligan's Island holiday special for their holiday show if you know the folks at Theater Artists Olympia and their level of creativity, that's one you should, you should check out, it's gonna be fun. Um, and then Jesse, you're our guest today. You're doing something really special. Uh, tell us about what's going on over at Olympia Family Theater.
2: Yeah, uh, I am in a production of The Lightning Thief, which is uh, based on the, the Percy Jackson, well, the first book in the Percy Jackson series. Lots of young folks have read those books, and uh, they're near and dear to lots of folks' hearts, including uh, many of the people in my cast. We have a pretty young cast. Two of our leads are 15-year-olds, and they are fantastic. That's always fun. Yeah, it's so fun to watch them and watch them grow. And um, Their voice teacher came the other day. There was lots of blubbering. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's a rock musical. It's loosely based on Greek mythology. I say loosely, (laughs) I take some offense to a couple of the, the, uh, things that they've done, particularly with the furies, because I do play a fury in this. Um, but we are, um, we are rocking out.
0: The score's a lot of fun. That was one thing when I heard they were doing it, I checked out the score, and I it seems like it would be a really fun show to be in from if you're into that kind of music. Which yes. I am.
2: Lots of like belting our heads off. Yeah. So I my primary role is Clarice, who is the daughter of Ares, God of War. Mm-hmm. So you best believe I've got a real, uh, real rockin' number. Some pretty high notes in there. Uh, <laughs> carrying my spear for capture the flag. So it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and that uh, there are also two other actors in that show from our production of yeah. Sunday Park with George. So uh, listeners, if you're still listening, if you saw that show, you can catch uh, Ben Matthews and Sarah St. Clair, who were mm-hmm. uh, who played several roles. I can't remember the names of their roles.
1: Um, Sarah played Mrs. and the Nurse in the first act, and uh, Blair Daniels in the second act. That's right. And Ben played Jules in the first act, and... He likes tall grass. Right. Uh, I forgot his name in the second act. Yeah, I don't remember
0: either. Oops. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Lippia Family Theater playing for two more weekends through what's the date... This is going to get published I'm in the looking next it up October 29th October. October. Okay, so by the time this is published, there should be two more weekends left. Yes. Awesome. All right, and then uh, SPSEC. Since we mentioned just cast Hurricane Diane, mm-hmm. and I don't know as much about that. Jesse, it sounded like you did. What's that? Yeah, all that about? is
2: some more. A little bit of Greek mythology. Um, so Diane is um Dionysus and but she is in the form of a um I was going to say horticulturist but sort of um landscaper. She's come to this little suburb with all these suburban housewives to um eliminate their yards Um, and it's it's an environmental play but it's not like any environmental plays that i've um read seen before it works it's actually entertaining (laughs) it's not didactic in a in a like not fun way it's it's pretty amazing so definitely see that one but they just started rehearsals awesome uh, so that'll be cool
0: and sorry if you already said this is anybody we know in that
2: uh, Heather Matthews is playing Diane.
0: Oh, yeah, Ben's wife. I got I was she was in the production of Into the Woods I was in. She's great.
2: She is actually my music director for oh, yeah. this current production. Um, and Kimberly Wolfson and Megan Goodman.
0: Oh, yes, Megan. Megan was in the first show I ever produced. She's awesome.
2: What was the first show?
0: Legally Blonde. Oh, she yes. played Mm-hmm. about eight different roles and at one point during dress rehearsal I was up in the mezzanine of the Capitol Theater uh, and I looked down on the stage and I said who is that woman? Who is who's playing Elle's mom? Who is that? I, I had no idea because she kept like she was so different from character to character and they were all you know supporting ensemble roles with, it right. was just she really kind of showed you how to show up when you're in yeah. one, when you're in an ensemble role
1: I got these awesome. props for that show yeah. that was fun
2: uh, and then Andrea Weston Smart is in it. Oh
1: yeah,
0: she's great. She's great too. She's
2: also great. And Anna Holbrook, who is a student. Um, and the only other thing I know she was in was The Moors Ooh. last year. So. Okay,
0: I heard <sighs> yeah. good things about that. That's going to be, that's a killer cast.
2: Yeah, that's going to be really that good. That one
0: should not nice. be missed. Um, Harlequin right now has Every Brilliant Thing.
1: I saw that yesterday. Have either of you seen it? No, no.
2: but I've heard Amazing Things.
1: Go. Yeah, that's so all I'm gonna say. It's not I'm all I'm gonna show saying. right now, George. <laughs> so <laughs> find out when you can go. <laughs> yeah. Elise Moore. Who is? I, is it a one-woman show? Yes. Yeah. Well, so, there is audience participation. Okay.
0: but Elise is the centerpiece of that show. She. Um, Elise does has most been of the talking. Yeah, Elise has been. Elise is one of my sister's best friends. Has been since birth. I've like watched her grow up, and her, our families, are friends, and she is tremendous a wonderful comedic actress been very active in the olympia community for a number of years i believe she was the artistic director of a theater down in uh california for a while for like a year um but she's fantastic i can't wait to see that and yeah this looks like one of those very different experiences not just go see a play go see go experience some theater
1: and it's just so well done she is so comfortable up there And you can tell she has that down. Mm -hmm. It is amazing. It's a completely different theatrical experience. It's in the round. They have the seats set up all four walls. Uh, She only goes out to the the corners. It's amazing. It's a great show. At first I was wondering, is that your story? But it's a scripted (laughs) show from at least 10 years ago. And it's a beautiful story. And it's so well done. It's. Awesome. I highly recommended. You Can't know, really it's see.
2: one brilliant thing about that about how they wrote that is that as a single person staying on stage by having other people say those oh. lines they get to trigger <laughs> each part of it. Yeah. So that you don't have to you don't forget where you are. Yeah. But they the can...
1: numbers the numbers are not all sequential. Oh. oh. She's got to keep track of the numbers that she needs because oh. if
2: well, that's not as helpful. <laughs>
1: right. Because if she doesn't have as many people, she may not give out as many cards. And she's got to know which oh, cards that she's giving out. Interesting. And which numbers she is not giving out. Interesting. Yeah. Well. Some of them are specifically that she says a number and says the line. She well, says a number and says the line.
0: Yeah. We'll definitely have to. Well, I'll be checking that out for sure. Um what is going on with olympia
1: little Little theater Theater right now? they are i just looked them up where did they go they are doing who's in bed with the butler by michael parker and it opens on the 20th so next weekend uh yeah next weekend and it plays through november 5th at olympia little theater on miller street
0: awesome i want to see that if you haven't been to a show at the olympia little theater you should go their mission is to make theater inclusive for everyone um i've seen a couple of things there that were wonderful but you can also if you're looking to get involved with theater it's a there's a very good entry point um they try to they try to make theater accessible to everyone and i think they do an excellent job uh and were we missing anybody else in olympia is that it
1: Uh, Animal Fire, but they do Shakespeare in the Park in the summer. Which is not
0: right now. If anybody hasn't noticed, it is raining outside.
1: It is quite rainy. Um, Tacoma Little Theater?
0: Tacoma Little Theater just closed. Uh, They've got Misery coming up.
1: I want to see that. Yes,
0: and I know Tacoma Musical Playhouse is doing... I think they're doing Cabaret right now and Cats very soon.
1: Lakewood Playhouse. Uh,
0: The Complete Works of Shakespeare, Abridged. Yeah. Yeah, which... I know Chris just saw that last week. I'm sure that'll be good. I think I know some people in that as well. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us here on Sunday on the Mic with George. Jesse, it's been wonderful having you. Um, We hope to have you back sometime. Um, George, anything to say before we sign off?
1: It's been fun. It's been fun. (laughs) We're really
0: bad at ending podcasts. We need to have a a signature tagline. An
1: outgoing thing. Like, uh, see ya that's all folks <laughs>
0: alright thanks everybody have a good night tune in next week when we are going to be covering Merrily We Roll Along because ah. I will have just seen it nice. which is not true right now You guys, when you're talking about it I'm just nodding my head and saying that sounds wonderful yes I've listened to the cast recording but I'm looking forward to seeing it so uh, we'll see you next week And uh, and yeah that's a horrible way to end the podcast but I'll edit this part later
1: alright